Let me tell you um, about my enjoyable driving sensation lately. Yeah, I sort of got you hooked up with the truck, didn't I? <laughs> you really did. Yeah, I haven't even seen it yet. I just pulled up outside and I go, oh yeah, I forgot like, he has hey, a truck. Hey, there's a Midnight Edition Nissan Titan yeah. there. So here's the thing about the Titan. I didn't expect to like it this much. So you and I talked about this, and you're another brand guy, mm-hmm. and you've talked about it on the show. Although, okay, you're yes, open-minded. You I am another, open-minded. But you're, yes. you, your, your loyalties are with another brand. Mm-hmm. And I told you, you need to drive the Titan. Right. Not only is Nissan our presenting sponsor. Yes. And I wanted you to have some seat time to enjoy the truck because uh, back in 2017, it was our truck trend truck of the year. We liked it that much. Right. I wanted you to get some seat time in it. I knew you would like it, but now I'm curious if my intuition was right. And the answer is yes. I have had over the last, I've had it now for six days. Okay. I realize the tour listeners, I sound like a shill. And I, I get that because <laughs> yep. they are a new presenting sponsor. Yep. But I'm telling you, God's honest truth, I'm blown away. It's a great I, truck. I swear to you. And so the first thing I noticed, how quiet it was. That is the truck you want to go on a road trip in. Yes, it is. The As zip- a matter of fact, I emailed the guy who dropped it off, uh-huh. and I asked him if I could have it longer so I could take it on a road trip. And that's because my two sons asked if I could sell my lifted dually and buy this truck. <laughs> and it was, and they weren't just joking around. They were being honest. So my, yeah. my little guy gets in the back, and he realizes that he's nowhere, his knees are nowhere oh. near the front seats. The cab is big. Those zero-gravity seats are super comfortable. Very comfortable. What, honestly... And again, I know Nissan's our presenting sponsor, but I've spent a ton of time in that truck. I believe in that truck the way they believe in our podcast, but the zero gravity seats are one of the best things about that truck. So comfortable. When's the last time you were in a Nissan truck? Nissan anything? Uh, late 90s. You, you basically have no point of reference, so this is a great way to, to re-engage the brand and go, hey, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Let's get the, yeah, let's get the show going. <laughs> the Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We have the lowered and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. Hey, Holman, did I tell you that I got a new Nissan Titan? It's sitting out front, and I've had a. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> Dude, yeah, just nice kidding. truck. That's true. Hey, did you know this is lucky episode number 13? I or is that mm, I'm not superstitious though. Okay. All right, so this is going to be a good show. Oh, that's not true. That's not true. I just <laughs> lied right to your face. Yeah. I will tell you that to this day, uh if I see a black cat, I will cross my fingers before I cross this path. So do if it crosses in front of me, I will cross my finger to negate it crossing in front of do me. Do you walk under ladders? Nope. <laughs> no, I don't. Have you ever broken glass and felt really bad for a while? You mean the mirror? The mirror, yeah. Uh, I felt bad as it was happening. Yeah. I wish that I wasn't superstitious. Maybe uh, that's what I'm I, saying. I am. You know what I do? And I guess other people do it too because I see it every once in a while. And, and if you follow me on my Instagram at Sean P. Holman, you may see the occasional post because I fly a lot. I sometimes take pictures, but I always pat the outside of the plane when I walk into it like good plane. Really? Yeah, every, really? every time. Every every morning on the way out because I leave at the crack at butt and my kids are still sleeping. 
I kiss my fingers and I tap the wall <laughs> and I close my eyes and I and I envision like ivy growing up into their beds and wrapping around them like little cocoons to keep my kids safe. Okay, that's sweet and a little bit creepy <laughs> all at the same time. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Man, that I, I feel just, like I need I, to up my dad game. It's like, weird that I just <laughs> share that with everyone. I, uh, I, I leave the house and then I run back upstairs and go, oh crap, I didn't kiss the girls goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we it's got, a truck show, yeah. yeah. So I have. Uh, I wish I could call him my friend. He's not my friend. I, I mean, it's not that he's not my friend. It's that I don't know him that well. Yeah. But I have worshipped uh, this guy's work for uh, for a long time. His name is Bobby Martins, and Bobby was. Um, I want to call him a mini trucker back in the day. He became kind of really well known in Southern California for lowering trucks. So okay. whether it's frame or body dropped, whatever. But the last couple of years. He has reinvented himself as the guy who can put any car on air suspension. And you probably have seen his work on Instagram and not realized it. Maybe. There's a bunch of Hollywood kids rolling around Lambos that have been dropped on air. There, there are Bentleys. There are you name it. High-end stuff, but he started with trucks. Absolutely. That's okay. where he cut his teeth. So I, I'm dying to talk to uh, to Bobby. Where I was, I was at SEMA last year. And my buddy Brian at Rotiform Wheels had two cars done by him, two Porsches. Okay. Like a 56 Speedster and the, and, the, the two, awesome. and a 2017 GT3 or something. Did like I ever tell you the time hand. that I wrecked a 356 Porsche uh, on call for a movie? Excuse me? Yeah, I was that guy. What? Uh, three, How so? A 356B hardtop. Uh, was on call for a movie. Uh, really pretty maroon. What do you mean car. it was on call for a movie? The, it Meaning was, it was on set? No, no, no. It had so I worked for a mom and pop uh, Mercedes BMW Porsche place in Huntington Beach called Auto Works, and uh, did cut my teeth there on service writing and customer service and ev- everything. Really high end detail stuff there. Did a lot of did a lot of high end cars. I got in in the morning. It was seven o'clock in the morning. We were opening up. You know, we opened up at seven thirty. So this was like open the doors, get all the computers started, turn the air compressor on. You know, all your morning chores that you would do at a shop. The routine. Like, the routine. Yep. Uh, and so anyway, we had the car parked inside the shop, not out in the parking lot because it was high value car and all that. And so I got in, started it up, wiggled the transmission, let out the clutch, boom. Popped it right into the wall behind me where the jacks were oh. because it was, you know, it was so loose that it felt like it was in neutral and it was actually in reverse. Oh. So whoever backed it in the night before left it in gear in reverse, not first, which is what they should have done. Got it. And in reverse was left and forward? I think so. Down, left, forward, so, one of those things? It's yeah. been so long. But yeah, I think it was, I think it was, uh, I think it was left and forward. Right. And so... Um, we had a local body shop that we were, that, you know, and I remember my boss, Bruce, came out, what the, you know... And you, I could just, you know, Bruce, Did you understand guy. the value of the car at oh, the yeah, time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, oh, you did. No, no, okay. I, I've always been a car guy, and I, I I, felt as bad as I think I've ever felt. And to look in Bruce's eyes, who was an amazing boss, still owns the owns AutoWorks to this day, um, had an F-250, a 79 extended cab long bed that was our shop truck with a 460. <laughs> that thing was meticulously maintained, had like 300,000 miles when he sold it, and the heads had never been off the engine. Like oh he was Lord. that he was that guy, right? Okay. So that's what I drove every day. That, that was our shop truck. Uh, but to see the look in Bruce's eyes. You mean that's eyes, what you did drive before he banned you? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, to see the look in his eyes and to see the blood drain from his face. It was Long story short, the owner was really cool. We had a body shop that we worked with, and uh, 
he took care of it for free because he felt bad for me and everything ended up okay. Oh but, my Lord, you really skated out. Dude, no kidding. <laughs> so and Holy I, so I have a, I've always had a sweet spot for these old Porsches, especially the 356s and the Speedsters and, and anything in that like 50s era. Okay. Ooh, they're just beautiful cars, right? I mean, I don't right. care if you're a truck guy, car guy, they're beautiful cars. And to know that I wrecked one once and I just, I'm that guy that, you know, that car was pristine and it's always going to have something, you know, People always know something happened. Fortunately, it was I just popped the clutch and it wasn't like a car crash or anything. But still, to this day, I, I do you still feel bad? I can tell by I still, looking. Uh, at yeah, you. I do. No idea. I feel. <laughs> I totally feel bad about that. Are you ready to dial and smile, our friend Bobby nope. Martins? Nope. Nope. I'm absolutely going to dial and frown just because you said <laughs> dial and smile, which I still think is one of the stupidest things that I've ever heard. I'm keeping it alive, like groovy and rad. No, rad, rad, groovy, done. Mm-hmm. Rad, awesome. Okay. Uh, and. No on dial smile. <laughs> okay. All right. Yo, Bobby, it's Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going? So, man, where do we start? Bobby, um, I was introduced to you, I think, long time ago we had met elsewhere, but most recently at SEMA this last year when you dropped two amazing Porsches for our friends at Rotiform. Then it occurred to me, oh, my God, I've been following this guy on Instagram all these years, and I kind of was flipping through not long ago going, look at the body of work that this guy has amassed and the evolution that you've gone through coming originally from a kind of a mini truck background, uh, and then now Sadistic is known worldwide as the leader in air suspension. So I know you do a lot, but it that's kind of like, it feels like that is your niche these days and i wanted to find out bobby how did we get here take me back if you don't mind how you got started is was it club life was it high school was it auto shop in ninth grade like tell me about it um i got started probably when i was um, maybe 10 or 12 years old going to work with my dad um he worked for an auto shop in in bellflower where he was working on cars he was a you know general mechanic and at night, he'd build the, the owner's race car motors. And I would tinker with him till you know, 9, 10 o'clock at night. Or mom's calling the shop, trying to figure out where I'm at so I can go to sleep for school. <laughs> and then from there, we moved up to the high desert. He opened up his own shop. And I was there pretty much every single day because he'd worked every single day. Just basically, that's how it all started. Seeing you know cars that would come in and work on them and trying to see what I could fix and this, that, and the other from such a young age to what I am now. Kind of like you're a product of your environment. I just realized I forgot to play his intro. Oh, yeah. We didn't oh, my God. Intro. Bobby, hold on. Hold on we got to play your intro. Because, Bobby, you are an innovator. In, 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 you are an expert and an innovator. So we had an intro for you. Here we go. Man, that hurts my throat. (laughs) (laughs) You are truly an innovator. Okay, so you start in kind of the LA Orange County area, and then you get moved to like. I don't know, what is that, 50 miles outside of L.A.? Can, and back in those days, that was no man's that land. That was the outpost, man. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was the I, outpost. I mean, that was literally the outpost that was, that at 15395. That was, that, was, that was DLC. Right. So first, how did you feel about going out there? Were you was it kind of weird being uprooted? Um, Not really, because we had family out here. Um, And I was looking at, hey, it's desert. 
I can go riding every single day. Let's go. <laughs> right. So you go out to the desert and, um, you know, coming from the OC, LA area and well, sort the, of that the, scene. The car scene is different out in the desert, well, right? Well, yeah, everything. But then how, how did you get to, you know, lowering and air suspension? Because if you're, you know, the thought is, hey, if you're going to be out in Hesperia, you're going to be out in that part, out in the desert, you know, there's a million pre-runner guys and trophy truck guys and off-road guys. Yeah. How did you kind of find your niche out there, and, and how did you find success in an area that was really heavy in the off with the off-road crowd? Well, I started, had a Toyota pickup, you know, the typical 94, 95 Toyota pickup. Uh, I wanted to pre-runner it. I started going, going through the other people's build picks on forums and stuff. That's when, the, you know, the internet was still... Somewhat. Did you have the little AOL guy walking across your screen with all the funny noises? <laughs> no, I, I, I couldn't even afford AOL. I had to wait until after that. <laughs> even with the free disc, I couldn't get AOL. <laughs> Mom! Mom, I'm on AOL! Hang up the phone! Sure! <laughs> 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 I did the typical, you know, in your mom's grocery shopping, go over to the you know, magazine section, spend the, the whole hour there going through every single magazine, you know, realizing how much you know, a set of shocks were, because back then, really, King was the only real shock that was around back then, and then realizing, you know, 1200 for a shock, yeah, that, I can't afford this. So you figured out you had to play in a different kind of a sandbox. Yeah, pretty much. I started with, uh, you know, my truck, I, you know, I static it, you know, put blocks on it, had a couple friends that had mini trucks, and looked at their stuff, trying to figure out my stuff, and then I got Kind of, I was working at, at Toyota at the time because I was a Toyota tech, going through all the vehicles, checking them out, see what I can do, see what I can't do, and then kind of just went from there and just tinkering here, tinkering there, trying to get an aesthetic drop truck out of it. In the meantime, I'm working at Toyota and then found a part time gig working for another guy, and then I meet Mike Alexander. Everybody knows Mike Alexander. Mini right? trucking. <laughs> yeah, the, the guy that ruined mini trucking. <laughs> I, I know Mike well, and uh, we still joke about that. We, we, in fact, uh, last episode we had Mike Finnegan from Roadkill on, and we were joking that he ruined uh, both off-road and sport trucks. So uh, <laughs> yeah. all of us used to work together back back uh, a long time ago. So it's when I met Mike, and then Mike had a bag truck, and we were fixing Mike's truck, and then oh, I could do this in my own truck, and then kind of just went from there and just started building my own stuff. How does it morph into Sadistic Ironworks, the company that we know today? Does it is it little by little? Is it over the course of fifteen years that it happens, or one um, day do you get a loan and you open a shop? No, it would have been nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> little bit by little bit, I started doing. You know, I started. I left that one shop I was working for and started doing it on my own. Um, I hit up Mike if he needed you know anything done on his truck. He goes, oh, we you know. Lance was talking to me about we need some more tech articles. Done. Lance March. We were talking about Lance last week, yeah. too. <laughs> when, yep. It's funny. When it comes to, like, mini trucking, it's a small yeah. world it's, in Southern it's California. It's Lance. It's Mike. It's Courtney. Like, right? Like, that's the, and my, yeah, and Finnegan. Much. Like, that's the that's the media and, and magazine guy world. So, Bobby, do you find yourself going to all the shows and doing the circuit and winning awards and that whole thing? Or where are you um, in the pantheon of, you know, of mini trucking? Um, I was never a show guy. I was more, I wanted it for myself more than anything. Um, but doing the whole mini truck thing, when I was dealing with Mike, doing tech articles, you know, we were doing a tech article every issue. So we, I do one here, I do one there, and then pretty soon I was doing customer vehicles and then doing tech articles on those vehicles. A year or two goes by and all of a sudden you have this driveway, because I was doing it out of my house, this driveway full of vehicles you're doing tech articles on and regular customer work on. 
And then my mini truck got kind of pushed off to the side. The whole thing about, you know, the shoemaker's daughter always goes barefoot. And it just blew up from there. Being in the magazine and stuff like that, you know, everybody would would read mini trucking every single month. And I can always tell when a new issue came out because I would start getting phone calls at 5 a.m. from the East Coast because people were just getting their mini trucking. Now, were, at this point, were you sadistic or was it just, were you you? Was it Bobby Martins? No, I was, I was sadistic. I started sadistic back in 2002. Okay. Oh, wow, okay. And what were you known for back in those days? Like when those issues were coming out of mini trucking, mini trucking, what was your thing? I was the guy that knew how to bag every single Toyota there was. Now, when you were bagging the Toyotas, were you getting into body dropping at the time, or was it straight suspension and, and fab and making the bags fit? We were doing, basically making the bags fit, building you know notches, raising the beds, body dropping them. We, were, we never really did a whole lot of traditional body drops. I was okay. always the, the odd man out doing all the sectioning the frames. Yeah. Uh, paneling the bodies. I was always that guy. So you're over-engineering the trucks at this point, right? <laughs> Rather than simple much. body drop. Yeah, because I remember back in the day, uh, our stories that we would do with you, I remember you were able to, to lay frame. I just can't remember if it was because of body dropping or some of the other things. And I think that's sort of what made you famous and, and made a name for yourself was you were tucking some pretty significantly size wheel and tire packages and laying frame really early on in the mini trucking scene. Oh, yeah. When... When 20s first came out back in, what, 99, 2000, I think I was pretty much the only one laying full frame on a 20 with a 35 series tire. And that was, <laughs> wow. When a, 30, wow. a 35 series tire was a was 28 inches tall. And you're on a, you're on a uh, Toyota, I mean, it was, this is pre-Tacoma, this is Toyota truck days. Yeah, this is, I, my blue Tacoma, was on, which was a, a cover truck, Yeah, was a 95 uh, because the, the Tacomas came out in 95 and a half. Right. Yeah, you had the last had the of the last. old body style. And it's funny because yeah. the later versions of that truck, uh, because in 80, I, I remember for cars it was 86, I think it was trucks was, was early 90s, they had to have the center high-mounted stop lamp. And if you remember, yep. that ugly-ass thing, the way that Toyota did it, was it was just bolted on the top of the cab. It looked like a hood scoop. Yeah, a, but backwards. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it had a red lens in it. And if you remember, the Toyotas that were of that era, that that uh, early to mid-90s, had a nice rounded design back when the S10s were really square, the Rangers were really square, and even the, the later yeah. Rangers, when they came out... Um, they basically kind of copied that Toyota smooth and 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 rounded, and so the Toyotas really stood out from from everybody else back back then. And then they stuck this ugly ass third brake light on the back of the cab. So yeah. I remember in mini trucking and all that, the first thing anybody did was shave that thing right on off. <laughs> yep. So we're we're, uh, we're talking about your specialty, right? So you could bag any of these Toyotas, and where does that yeah. lead you? That leads me after the whole mini truck tech article days and. We're still doing a little bit here, a little bit there. Uh, then the new 0506 Tacomas come out. 0506 uh, Tacomas, okay. Yep. I hit up Mike, hey, do you think I can get you know a SEMA spot for this truck I'm about to buy? You know, I'm signing paperwork right now for this truck to go to SEMA on 22s and 24s. This was 95, 96? No, this was in 2004. Okay, so this is when Tacoma had been out for a little while, and so you kind of were used to what needed to be done to make that truck slammed and special. Yeah, the the new body style Tacomas, the mid-sizes, came out in 2005. Right. Because the Tacomas, we already got the Tacomas down. Everybody, you know, I was really the only one laying uh, 
the first gym Tacomas. Yep. Full frame without Z in the frame and doing any of the other goofy everybody else was doing. <laughs> and how are you pulling um, this? And so you, you've got the plans to do this and you call and you get a spot at SEMA. Well, what's the plan for this thing? How are you going to make this truck set apart from all the others? Honestly, I had no clue at the time. <laughs> Love the honesty. Hey, Mike, I'm going to build a SEMA rig. I don't know how, but uh, just I'll, I'll let you know when I know. Yeah. A first-gen truck. Nobody's ever done a first-gen Toyota truck. Okay, I'm going to buy this truck, take it home, and tear it apart. And that's what I did. I, I, I bought a truck from my work, drove it home, and took the thing apart. So when, you know, the whole plastic bed came out. Yep. The mid-sized truck. And basically, the suspension was goofy. It had plastic bed sides. It ran, you know, wheels that were for basically, I think they were 16 by six and a half. Nothing fit on the damn thing. Tore it apart and let's see how I can bag this thing. And then all of a sudden I got the bright idea. Let's body drop it. Because why not? Because hashtag body drop. And and so in this process right now, are you you freaking out that like, if I screw this up, I just wasted a lot of my own money? Yeah. I'm thinking that the whole time. As soon as I pull, you know, the hood off, the fender off. I'm still making payments on this thing. I haven't even sent a payment in yet. Oh, man. I mean, I feel like it's the same thing, and Holman and I have discussed this before with, like, the Liberty Walk guys. So, rich kid, you know, gets his brand-new Ferrari and Lamborghini, takes it right to Liberty Walk, and they take a Sawzall, and they cut open the fenders, and you go, (gasps) it's just, I mean, Enzo is spinning around in his grave, right? Um, that's, that's fun when you get to cut up a Ferrari or a Lambo. <laughs> and by the way, we're getting to that because I know you've done that. And so that's, but w- w- I don't want to get there yet. So now, tell me about this truck. You're freaking out. You haven't made a payment, f- you know, on it yet. Are you pulling your hair out? Coming up with new ways to make this thing lower than any Toyota's been? Or yeah, I'm. I'm I took probably a good month, month and a half, just to figure out the front suspension because it was nothing nobody ever seen before because it was a mid-sized truck. So the spindles were different. The front suspension was completely different. Everything was different about this truck. And it took forever. How good are your fab skills at this time when you're doing this? Like, um, I was probably then on a scale between 1 to 10, I was probably maybe a 6. <laughs> I like was, the honesty. Yeah, well, man, talk about confidence. I mean, yeah. was it hard to walk with uh, nuts that big? Because because uh, <laughs> that's the only way that you're you're selling that to uh, Mike A and those guys. Like, oh, I got this. I got this. Don't worry about well, it. <laughs> Mike's seen you know, my work throughout you know the four or five years that I've known him. Yeah, and you know I've probably at that time when I got that truck, I've probably bagged maybe twenty to twenty five trucks at that time. Trucks, SUVs, and just pretty much random stuff. You were doing forerunners and stuff too, right? You weren't just doing the uh, yeah. Toyota trucks. And then what was different between a forerunner and a Toyota pickup? Did was there one you preferred working on more than the other or was there one that you liked better? More of the pickup. Yeah. More of the pickup because the forerunner had all the four-wheel drive frame and uh, suspension and everything else. And a lot harder really... to to notch and do the floor pan in the back, right? When you really wanted to slam it. Yeah, them. pretty much. Because you had to figure everything out how to put so the seats in. The so you get this truck done or near completion, you bring it to SEMA, and what happens? We ended up getting the truck somewhat done. The interior we couldn't get done in time. So, we, you know, did the typical, let's tint all the windows. By the way, that, wonder, how many people who go to SEMA have no, no idea that that's the trick? They have no idea that's the trick. Yeah, right. right. It's like if your interior's yeah. not done, tint the windows limo and don't worry about it. And a lot of those cars, yep. and we talked about this in a previous episode, how when you go to SEMA, and for those of you who don't know, I can't imagine anybody listening to the show doesn't know, but 
when you go to the SEMA show, they look great in photos. Half those cars and trucks were pushed in under their under their own power. I've seen yep. them steered with a set of vice grips on the steering column <laughs> and limo windows. I remember we were putting a car into a trailer one time. The paint was still wet, so somebody put a thumbprint in the pinstriping, uh, and there was a guy ooh. in the trailer on the way to Vegas who was doing touch-ups on the road, like in the trailer. Well, no, I have a friend, my friend jo- <laughs> Josh at uh, Daily Visual. He's a, a, a rap guy. And he'll be out there doing raps while the crowd oh, I bet. is rolling in. Oh, yeah. It's like a last-minute raps. <laughs> oh, I feel so bad. And he's probably it. doing like a color change or something, right? Where it's a, it's not just a rap. It's a freaking color well, change. No, it's logos where guys are adding sponsors. Oh, sponsors last at minute. The last yeah. minute. Oh, yeah. yeah, that happens. Oh, yeah. The SEMA roll call. That's it. <laughs> the SEMA That's roll it. call. <laughs> so tell so you roll this truck in, you roll this Toyota in, and it's and it's mostly done and it's presentable. And what's the reaction? Tell me that the fallout from this. We got placed somewhat upstairs, I think, in the tire area when back then the, all the extra stuff. And when, you know, South, not a lot of South Hall, were there. right. South Hall behind all the yeah, four wheel drive Hall, stuff. The Chinese tires, the tractor tires, and all that <laughs> stuff. And then somehow there was always a crowd around the truck because I would sit by the truck and I don't know, I, I didn't want people to look inside the window. Who built this truck and not see any interior? But there was always a crowd around it. People were always taking pictures of it. I don't know, that's kind of kind of weird the truck's not even done you know we pushed it in aired it out on schraders and everybody's loving this thing you know i had some comments when i was there you know this is a brand new truck how many miles does it have on it ah, it's got roughly 500 miles on it <laughs> <laughs> you know people's reaction is what are you thinking i don't know i just wanted to do it did you tell them zero of those miles were from uh getting it in the door at sema since you pushed it <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> and so how much coverage did you see on that truck right after SEMA? Was it a was it the bell of the ball? Um, pretty much. It, you know, Mike shot it. Even when the interior wasn't done, when it was on the cover of mini truck, and the interior still wasn't done. We shot it we shot it in the uh the studio out in what was it, in Compton, I think it was? Yeah, yeah, or Gardena. We took it out there, we shot it, um, you know, pushed around on the go jacks. Yeah, Gojax. No we still have those at the studio today. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? You have my, to remember. My, my dually broke a set of uh, Gojax. Oh, I'm not. I, yeah. Not strong no. enough to did you? It okay, so did you have both duels, so four Gojax in the back or just two? I had four in the back and two oh, in the and front. Oh, and you still broke them? Broke them all. Oh, wow. Geez. They all just squatted. And, yeah, I had oh, to drive off of them. <laughs> did, did. did you spit one out and hit somebody uh, behind no, you? No, we went real slow. Oh, man. So yeah. you got to remember, you know, uh, Bobby's talking about a time when social media didn't exist yet. And I know there's people who are listening to the show right now who are like, wait, what? There's a time when social media didn't exist? Yeah, there are these <laughs> exactly. things called magazines. And being on the cover of the magazine was like, a hundred times better than anything you'll see on Facebook today. Like that's what it was oh, back yeah. in the day. I it mean, was it was no different. Like when our parents used to watch Johnny Carson yeah. on the Tonight Show, and the world watched, watched yeah. Johnny Carson. Yeah, there was no other. Outlet. I would almost say that today is a little bit. I think I think kids today growing up in the sport and people are kind of get jaded and screwed a little bit. And the reason I say that is. Right now, there are so many media outlets. There's so many hacks that can get out there. You can self-publish. You have podcasts like this one. You have many other <laughs> hacks. <laughs> yeah, right. Those hacks. You have, you, have, you have Facebook. You have video like YouTube. You have you know Instagram. You have magazines still. You have video. You have on-demand. You have television. You, you, there's so many different outlets. It's hard to figure out where to go to find everything. And back then, it was you made the magazine cover. You, that was it. You, you were set for yeah. a year. 
Oh, I, I was, you, were, you, were, you were famous for a year. At least, yeah. And then people would come to you and go, okay, so you had the December cover last year. What are you doing this year to top that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that's how it was. But, Take us from that truck forward, Bobby. Not to mention, that truck was actually my wife's truck. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> were you married at the time? Yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, that was my wife's truck because I was still building my truck. With that truck, we got the interior done. Mike shot it for all the interior stuff and then we ended up selling the truck. Um, but in the meantime, when Mike shot it for the cover, uh, my blue Toyota pickup that I finally, you know, after six years, five or six years of having it, I finally finish it. Mike shoots it for the cover. I think I'm probably the only one, probably mini truck history, probably magazine history. My blue truck was a cover truck. I had center spread and my wife's truck was the Neo truck for the year. Wow. That's pretty cool. One, two punch for sure. Yeah, so that that kind of helped probably push me up a little bit more in the industry, um, just because it was that constant. You know, most people when they throw their magazines down, it's usually face down, and my wife's truck or Tacoma was there. First Blood was there every single month for the next year. So I think that helped with a lot of potential clients and just being recognized with just that. And so, where does it go from there? At what point do you start dropping Ferraris? And NSX <laughs> actually, actually, and hold on. R8s. No, I want. I want to know the very first supercar. So you're into trucks. You're doing this. You're known. You've got a name for the shop. You're getting Mad Magazine props. You're. You're. You know, the marketing is happening, right? People are getting to know sadistic. Who was the first dude that brought you a supercar and said, "Here's the keys"? That's. That's what I want to know. <laughs> the first supercar I think I did. I think it was a Ferrari. I think it was a yellow Ferrari came from another shop because they didn't know how to do it. I get to it, ask, oh, can you bag this? Yeah. You tell me, you know, another company makes a uh, a kit for it, but it rides like crap. Nobody wants it. And it's, you know, super expensive. Yeah, I can do it. Whatever it's going to take, I, I can do it. No problem. <laughs> Did you pull out your bagging toolkit where you opened the drawer on your snap-on toolbox and it was like a Sawzall, your TIG welder, and like <laughs> like a grease pencil or something like that? <laughs> yeah, here, this is what I use. <laughs> Nurse, the scalpel, yeah. please. <laughs> you know, you, you tape everything off, paper everything so you don't scratch anything. You're going, this bumper costs more than, you know, my toolbox. Basically just got into it and just started methodically just tearing things apart, measuring, and just figuring it out. You know, a week goes by, and I finally get this thing bagged. I'm just like, okay, let's go drive it. Let's see how it rides. Take it around the block, drive it. Oh, man, it could be a little bit better. I had to tear the damn thing apart again. Oh, Start man. Start revolving the shock. Start, you know, changing little things here and little things there. And then pretty soon I get, you know, a Ferrari that's bagged to drive two inches off the ground like a Ferrari still, and then to sit on the belly pan when it was aired out. So I have I have so many questions about this Ferrari. A, who's the dude that says, take my Ferrari and drop it? <laughs> What's that guy, right? As far as I know, because I never met the guy, but from what I heard, you know the, the paintings in the mall or the ocean scenes? Every, every mall had them. You, you see the ocean scenes with the fish. And all the bright color, you know, Nemo's are all over the place. Oh, not Wyland, the other guy. Is it Wyland? Or is it, uh, the, he's got a big exhibition and he's got uh, art stores in the malls and he and he's based out of Hawaii. I know the dude that's, you're talking that's, about. That, that's the guy. That's exactly the guy. Okay. He's got two of them. 
two frogs. And he's just like, screw it. Drop it. It just <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. it. It just takes balls and it's like sacrilegious. I, I want to you know, know if a dude in an Armani suit named Guido knocked on your door, lowered his uh, Ray-Ban sunglasses or his Luxottica sunglasses, and a tear came out of the corner of his eye on your porch. <laughs> <laughs> like I want to I know if somebody from Italy was crying when you were doing all this. Somebody had to be. The first day I posted it on Instagram, I'm like, what would you do that for? <laughs> Could you imagine somebody walking around SEMA for the first time seeing a bagged, lowered Ferrari like the engineer who has generations of engineering blood, has been at Ferrari 30 years, he hand-touched everything, and he's like, it's perfect, what are you doing? <laughs> he's like, nah, bro, I got a Sawzall. <laughs> yeah, exactly, don't, don't fear the Sawzall. Exactly. What was the reaction to that, going from, okay, so a couple things regarding going from the mini truck world, and now you are now the unofficial expert in this field, right, of air suspension, just because you've been doing it so long, and then you do this Ferrari, and then you start doing other sedans, do you get any backlash from the mini trucking world, or is it like, nah, Bobby, go for it? I think it's a half and half. I've gotten some backlash about being a sellout, but I don't do mini trucks anymore, and just stuff like that. And then I also got almost like a warmed welcome from the supercar and import. But that's team. not true. If a, if a mini truck came to you today, I mean, I've looked at your Instagram. You've had that that Toyota, the supercharged one, where you did the full frame off and everything. If a mini oh, yeah. truck came to you today, you you'd do it. Oh, yeah, I would do it. It's just not the bread and butter, and, and it's, it all depends if people want to pay for it. Yeah, absolutely, because, uh, you know, they're paying for the quality of work that you're putting. You've learned. You've gotten to the next level. You're doing next level on Ferraris and Lambos. You've got to find the right guy who wants to put that kind of money into this, that kind of craftsmanship on, on his Toyota or his hard body or something, right? And that's, and that's one of the things that I've kind of been known throughout all the years is being the guy that was kind of expensive because my quality control was above everybody else's. Well, I'm kind of curious, too. Like, so we've joked with, you know, Fred Williams had a Suzuki Samurai that he built up, and he was the Suzuki guy for a while. And we talked to Ryan Kibbe, who who his one of the first trucks he ever put a, a, a pre-owner kit on was a Dakota, and we joked that he was the Dakota guy. He's like, oh, yeah, everybody, everybody <laughs> in the Dakota came looking for me. How long before the second supercar showed up, and then were you? how fast was it before you were known as, that's, that's the supercar guy? Um, I think right directly right after the Ferrari, I think I did another, I think I did an R8, then I did another 458. Pretty soon I was, I got hit up to do a Bentley and now, then all of a sudden a Lambo showed up and then another R8 and then another Lambo. I don't even know what you would spend and I, you don't have to tell me exactly, but a ballpark to, to, to drop a Ferrari. Are we talking about? Five thousand, fifteen thousand, twenty-five thousand dollars. I, I literally, I don't know because you could almost, you're like a surgeon. You could almost kind of charge whatever you wanted when it can, when it comes to exotic specialty, right? Right. Yeah. The average price is usually around ten, um, but it all depends because we've opened ourselves up to doing a lot more than just bagging. We've gotten into basically doing exhausts, roll cages, full trunk setups. Uh, Which, if you think about it, that's not that expensive. I mean, there's guys spending fifteen grand on their pre-runner suspension all day long, and so, guys spending fifteen grand on audio yeah, systems. Yeah, on audio. Right. So, so really, I mean, yeah. that that's pretty reasonable to be honest. Do you mind me asking what's the biggest bill someone's racked up with you? Um, I think the biggest one so far was thirty-five grand. I mean, I I, I would really love those sixty, seventy thousand dollars truck builds, but they're just not around anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> of of all the sadistic ironworks trucks and cars you've put out. Is there a favorite, or is it that Toyota that you built for SEMA? 
if you had to, if you um, could have one, if you could have one back, maybe it's whether it's yours or a customer's cars, which one can, is it that you- Can we add to that? Can we do what is your favorite and then what was the most impactful build you ever did? Um, <laughs> I think it's hard, man. There's so many cars and trucks. It's We can't really put an actual finger on which one because- I mean, when you do, when you have three or four Lambos sitting in your shop and you're bagging all of them, you become desensitized to any of this stuff. I don't ever want to get to a spot where there's four Lambos and I'm desensitized. <laughs> desensitized. <No>. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have a road trip up, up to, uh, yeah, to Hammett. Where are you again? You're in, uh, no, Hisperia. Hisperia, Hisperia. Yeah. Hisperia. Top if, of the grade. The people are like, I've never heard of Hisperia. Where you know is what that? I want to do? There's this, there's this great restaurant. Well, not great, but it's this known <laughs> restaurant. It's where the 15 and 395 are. It's called the Outpost, right? And I've been there. It's so awesome. I want to I want to oh, yeah. go see Bobby and then roll into the Outpost Cafe for lunch amongst the truckers in like a bag Lambo. Like that that oh, would yeah. make my day. <laughs> I feel like, hold on, I feel like, Bobby, you've already done that. Well, I haven't gone to the Outpost, but okay, the funny thing is taking you know, a, a Lambo on a test drive, being, I mean, basically when we're working, we look almost homeless. <laughs> taking a, a Lambo over to the gas station and get out and people look at you you talk to that you look like a piece of <laughs> do, do you, you have to have a nice do you have like a your your white Lambo coveralls that you throw on when you get inside one of those things because I mean, you're welding you're cutting you're painting you're torching I have to imagine that you know you got to keep the inside of those things pretty pristine too right we have the seats all wrapped yeah, we have uh, seat covers. Bobby, if there's a if there's a truck that's out right now, whether it's Ram, it's uh, uh, it's a Silverado, is there a truck that excites you that if you had, I don't know, seventy grand laying around, you'd go and you'd buy and and do something crazy to it? Um, probably right now would probably be the F four fifty. Oh, all like, right, like a platinum. Yeah. And would you do the uh, like four wheel drive, two wheel drive, dually? What would you do? Uh, I'd probably do a two wheel drive and just lay it out. You know what I want to do? I would love, and this is total sacrilege, and, and you know, obviously I come from the off-road world, but I started at trucking, so I get the lower two. I've got my 67 F100. Like, I'm in both worlds, okay? Right. And I understand that all of my off-road people listening to me right now are going to go, <gasps> like, what did he just say, right? Um, I would love to take a Raptor and turn it into a modern lightning with a big-ass wide wheel and tire package, all-wheel drive, slammed. I think that would now, be... Now, when you say slammed, how slammed? Like, actually bag-bag? Uh, like, bag, like no, not bagged, not bagged. I think like I would a street do... street truck. So, I, I would want to tuck tire, though. I think because, you know, those big-ass wide fender flares, all body-colored, slammed, yep. zero ground clearance. You've got those big, long arms so that you can get it really low. I, I, think, it would, I think it would be cool, and I'm sure somebody's done it, but you think you'll easily nobody, get five? Nobody has done it yet. See, that would be cool. Get do you know five hundred horsepower plus out of the uh, EcoBoost and take all the off-road stuff off on it and do a street tire impact wheel and tire package and and sway bars and coilovers or air suspension where you could lay it on its skid plates. Dude, that would be sick. I think you would. I think you would piss a lot of people could off you? and get a ton of attention. The only thing I can say is SEMA is in November. <laughs> <laughs> if I lose my mind and I and I have a a raptor that needs to uh, to get slammed at some point in the future, are you are you the man for the job? I am the man for the job. That would be awesome. Well, tell me about. So you had we talked earlier before we got you on the phone, Bobby. Uh, you did a couple of cars for Brian at Rotiform, and you yeah. did a I don't know what year that Speedster. I'm not really familiar with Porsches, but you did a what is that like um, a 56 or something? 
I believe it was a 56, 356B. Okay, and you slammed a Speedster, which a lot of Porsche guys are like, what is that? Still to this day, they're, yeah. they're freaking out, right? That pissed a lot of people off, didn't it? Oh, yeah. People were so mad. Why would you do that? It's, it's a car. It can always go back to stock. And it's not your car, so who cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but what I loved is that he had the 56 right in front of a 2017, what was it, a GT3, a brand new Porsche? Yeah, 991, or yeah, 991.2. And it slammed as well. And so it was the yeah. it was beautiful. It was just, I don't know, it, it was a spectacle Mechanical to see. art. It really... And that, it, one, that one was sitting on the turbos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think I've ever heard somebody call out sitting on the turbos before. That, that has to definitely be a hashtag. We need to make that trend, <laughs> sitting on the turbos. I feel like that's when you're wearing boxers and you sit down wrong and you squish yeah, your neck. You're like, yeah. oh, I sat, sat on, on turbo. turbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when you sit down too fast and you only do that once. Right, right, right. Yeah. Wow, listen, so I implore everyone to check out Bobby's Instagram so it's sadistic. Ironworks and works has an E, right? So at Sadistic yeah. Ironworks. And don't bother him unless you're serious because he has more work than he knows what to do with. Um, <laughs> but if you are if you are serious and you have something that's interesting and it's never been done before, chances are he'll take your call and and, and book you a spot in like or, or in, if you're, in 2021. Or if you're an old school <laughs> mini trucker that's rich now, he wants to talk to you. Uh, maybe so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bobby, thank you very much for carving out uh, some time for us. We really appreciate, appreciate it, man. Uh, uh, no problem, guys. All right. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Bob. Magazine cover trucks were the superstars of the 90s and 2000s. I mean, he's got some of that same thing going on with his Instagram. He yeah. really does have a ton of cred and a, like, you know, a few hundred thousand. It's, you're right. It doesn't have near the impact that magazines did back in the day. I don't know if we'll ever have another outlet like that that's that focal. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying is there's so many places to get all of your information and content now that nobody's really settled in one place. And so you have to remember back will then- Will they? But will they? I don't, know. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, you have to remember back then before there was social media and before there were MySpace and Facebook and Instagram and on and on and on and YouTube and all these things, it literally, it literally was the magazines. Everything was done for the magazines. When I started at Truckin', I think one of my first issues, the magazine was 480 pages thick. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. yeah. And now it's like a leaflet. Like 100 pages or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's true. And it's time for the inbox. Inbox. You email. Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Yeah. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. Uh, so, I'm going to admit that I was a little late on sending some of your shirts out. Uh-oh. They went out today. They okay. went out today. So, I apologize. The shirts did go out. They might come from Long Beach Clothing Company, <laughs> which is my clothing store. But uh, if something arrives from Long Beach Clothing, you'll be like, oh, that's my truck show yeah. podcast. Your wife shirt, will so. yell at you and say, what are you ordering on Amazon again? And you're like, no, no, no. I heard the free shirt. <laughs> we don't live in Long Beach. What, what's going on here? Yeah. yeah. All right. So, the first shirt coming up is from Duarte Eduardo. Or, no, it's not. It's got to be Eduardo Duarte. It's Eduardo Duarte. Duarte. Right? You know what's funny? So it's, I have it backwards. On my on my screen, it has it right. On your screen, it's backwards. It's because <laughs> I told my phone that oh, I yeah. want last name first. Yeah. That's just stupid. I need to flip it back around. <laughs> All right. So uh, it's titled Awesome. 
All right, thanks. That's it. Next <laughs> <All right>, one. Next. <laughs> <laughs> now it says, "Hey, Lightning at Holman, I've really been enjoying your podcast. Even though I'm not a big gearhead or a car guy, I've really been learning a lot, and you guys make it fun to listen to. Oh, uh, thank you. Awesome, thank very you very much, uh, Eduardo or Duarte or whatever your name. <laughs> <laughs> Eduardo. I have a complaint though. It's not about the show, but it's about some of the lights, mostly on trucks and SUVs. When the driver locks their vehicle, the reverse lights and brake lights stay on for a minute or two. I'm just there like an idiot, waiting for them to pull out of the space. What's up with that?" Can't wait to listen to more of your episodes. Keep them coming. Eddie from Pomona. Okay, so he's talking about uh, you turn your car. It's, you're at the mall. This is yeah, the example, yeah, right, right? Right, And you Grocery put it in store, park, mall, whatever, and then it, and the lights stay on for a while. So that's a setting on your dash, right? Or, or an aftermarket say. alarm system. Sometimes they do that, too. But, yeah, usually, no, it's annoying. Usually in the brand new vehicles, they say, do you want to stay on for five, te- five <laughs> seconds, ten seconds, whatever? Yeah. I, why is that? Is that for safety? I don't why know. Do, why do we have the ability to do you, that? It's trolling other drivers who want to park where you're at. But you know what I used to do, though? So this is even worse, is that it, I would, coming out of a movie mm-hmm. or the mall, and the, the parking is just packed on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And you walk around, and yeah. you get out your keys. And, and you and start you, clicking it. And, no, and you walk <laughs> in towards the door to the driver's door of your car, and then you turn around, and they do it to another <laughs> one. And you walk to another driver door, and you know there's 20 cars that aren't yours. And, yeah. And the guy is backing up the whole time trying to Waiting see which for one you. is yours. Yeah, yeah that's pretty bad i i remember it's, like, uh, it's parking lot roulette is what that is i almost had a lady hit me in the parking lot once like trying to get my space i think it was at the mall or something or move, maybe movie theater I can't, I can't remember but i do remember it was at the movies at the block of orange and this lady comes whipping around the corner because she sees me crossing and she's like i'm taking your space right and she almost clips me walking so i immediately start walking toward my car and she's like she's pacing me like a panther right like stalking me as i get to my car to my space so I open the door, I get in, and I realize that she's waiting, super impatient, really bitchy, and I'm like, I'm just going to mess with her. So I throw it in reverse, and then I put it in drive. <laughs> put it in reverse, you and put I put it in, in drive. drive. And I kept like readjusting the car in the spot, and like I would turn a little bit, like I couldn't get out. I did that long enough until somebody else wanted the spot, and she's looking at them, and she's looking at me like, what a dick. She's looking at, you're not going to take the spot. So, of course, I blocked her by backing out toward her so that guy could come in. I, I waved him in, and I waved to her and blew her a kiss. Did she give you the middle finger? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And uh, if I were a lip reader, I'm sure uh, she gave me a lot more than that, too. Uh, next one from uh, Declan Walther. Hey, guys, you must keep doing what you're doing because you guys are freaking awesome. Oh, Thank sweet. you, man. You teach me all about the stuff that my parents dislike, but I like. Thank you, and keep doing what you're doing, Declan. <laughs> Thanks, Declan. We Very appreciate nice that, buddy. Yes, T-shirt on the way. Yeah. Uh, send us your address and your shirt size, homie. Next one's up from uh, Richard. Uh, the title is Dually Alignment. Give Anderson's Frame and Alignment in Garden Grove a call or Outlaw Off-Road in Santa Ana. I used them this week to align my truck, and it drives great. Oh, good. So, old school guys and should be able to help you. I appreciate that, Richard. So, for those of you that maybe didn't hear the last uh, episode, I have a lifted dually, and I have 8 to 10 lug conversions. And if you know anything about dually on the front end, the, the, the lugs and the hubs stick out further than the tires. So, it, it makes it really difficult to uh, Like to laser align yeah, and stuff. You yeah, you can't laser align it. My back wheel are sticking way out and they don't align with the front and the whole thing and so I'm walking dog-legged down the, <laughs> driving dog-legged down the, uh, the the highway and it's just it's been uh, it's been tough to which is with. funny because it has nothing to do with your alignment it's just how you drive uh, yeah I just drive <laughs> dog-legged down the street yeah uh, we got uh, one here from Todd Reville 
Uh, Todd says, I really like the episode about upgrading your brakes. It's something that most of us don't think about. We seem to be focused on the go and not the what. What he's referring to is our buddies from Willwood coming on the show and, uh, and talking about big brake upgrade kits for trucks. He says, I like all your industry insiders you've talked to, but I feel like you're teasing us. I was really looking forward to the interview with Gail Banks. I realize that there's often scheduling conflicts that you have to work around, so hopefully that'll happen in the near future. I'm a big fan of Banks products, and I've used a few, including on an 85 F350 with a 6.9. That's the old indirect injection. Yeah, wow. He said, uh, that couldn't get out of its own way without the Banks turbo <laughs> kit. And I, you know, it's funny is I, I, um, I think he recently just obsoleted that kit, but like a year ago. Like it was like really recent was they had the last few on the shelves or yeah. something. Yeah. Some, some kits just stopped selling. Yeah. It, but know? I mean, that, that truck's so old, the fact that it didn't get obsoleted until just a couple years ago is pretty amazing. I mean, dude, Banks is selling so many 7.3 parts. Oh, it's yeah. Like, as if that truck Brand was just new. released. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. He says, uh, thanks again for the great show. Would really love to have one of your t-shirts. Size large, please. <laughs> Todd. Thanks, Todd. So the thing about Gail Banks is that a lot of people use the word ironic when they should say coincidental, right? This is, I think this is irony. Both Holman and I are really close with Gail Banks, and yet he hasn't been in yet. Yeah, right. I don't know what but he keeps asking. He's like, hey, guys, when are, when are you going to have me in? And we've tried, but it's just been a scheduling conflict. It's scheduling conflict, and you don't know this about Gail, but he's into jazz, and he goes to a jazz night <laughs> on, every, the, on the same every night. Tuesday. Well, by the way, I've gone with him to jazz night. And so have I. And these are like like professional not musicians. Just, not just pro. World yeah, class. world class. They're the ones who do who literally do the scores and movies and stuff like that. He has a group of friends. They work with John Williams. Oh, yeah, maybe yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, uh, one of the guys on the saxophone is the guy who did the Pink Panther saxophone intro. I mean, like famous musicians. When and, I was there, Gail, Gail's like, uh, see that guy right there? I'm like, yeah, yeah, on the tube. And he's like, oh, yeah, he was in, uh, do you remember... Uh, you remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? Of course, he's like, oh yeah, that's that's him. I'm yeah, like, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, and like if you remember from the seventies, if you're. Oh, by if the you're, way, oh. I just said tuba. It wasn't on a tuba. <laughs> and if it you're was a clarinet, very yeah, different. They're very, not the same as a tuba. <laughs> but if you if you're old enough to remember the Wrecking Crew from the seventies, like this. That musician group. This is the people who he goes to. Anyway, so that's his conflict on We're Tuesday night. Jazz. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. We so. got. Uh, hold on. I feel like I, I owe us both a. <laughs> no, no, no. Jazz is jazz is good. Uh, we have a couple uh, brand new reviews, so I thought it'd be nice to uh, to read for the for the folks who checked in with us on uh, on iTunes. How many truck drivers listen to jazz? I bet a lot. I bet it calms them on the on the road. If I'm having road rage, I'm th- I, and I'm a truck. No, no, you don't think so? Nope, none. No, very few. What do you listen to on your road trips? So out of my norm. I'm not a country fan, yeah. but when I'm when I'm uh, out of the state and I'm in the yeah. sticks, I will do country. I love country so, and road trips because it's so different and it's storytelling too. But you know, I'm yeah. I'm alternative rock yeah, through yeah. and we'll through. Say, same here. But I do love. I'm not a fan of like the Whitney Houston, so I no, won't listen no, to no, any no. of that kind of crap, no, like you, the easy here. elevator no. stuff. I don't like Put yacht rock. Sleep. I don't like any of the. Uh, you know, I'm not an Ario Speedwagon kind of guy, so yeah. I'm not that that genre. I will do some Zeppelin, some classics, but for the most part. Yeah, it's digging deep into alternative rock, and then yep. l- and then stuff way left to center jazz and country. But you just said jazz. I know, but I don't like. <laughs> but again, I know we're not the norm. That's I don't well, think maybe we are. Maybe we'll get some emails. I would love to find out. Truck show podcast at gmail dot com. Send us something. I'm kind of curious. What do people listen to for road trip music? So we got a couple uh, reviews here. Again, we're. 91 reviews on iTunes. Keep those reviews coming. We really There's appreciate. There's no it. ways anyone listens to jazz on a road trip. <laughs> 
I don't. I will be honest. I don't. I don't. I don't. If somebody's out there who listens to Did jazz, I say like, that? I, I think I just said that I listen to jazz and rock. I no, I don't. I've never listened. No, no, to you jazz said you're you listen. You're left of center sort of stuff. You listen to is jazz, but not necessarily on a road trip. Yeah, no. Okay. All right, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> All right, so uh, we got a couple reviews here, and uh, thanks again for everybody who's given us five stars or up to 91 reviews on iTunes. All I care about is beating Corolla. All right, well, then we need people to subscribe. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> so please we need the subscribe you to, button. By the way, it doesn't have to be on iTunes. No. Like, like you said, it's, it's- Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, Spotify. By the way, Spotify- Spotify, you can't uh, you can't just get on Spotify. Spotify yeah. has to Spotify has to want. We you. have a ton of listeners on Spotify. Spotify has to want you and find you on their own. Literally, ten percent of our audience is Spotify. Every one of you has a friend that's on Spotify. Share the link to them and go listen to this. All right, we've got a ticked off nineteen ninety nine says all the intros annoyed me at first, but I've come to like them. Ah, <laughs> our master plan Whoa. is coming together. He says this is the only tr- car truck podcast that doesn't have an annoying host. I would disagree with that. Yeah, <laughs> he says as a diesel truck guy, I really appreciate all that you guys are doing. Keep up the good work. Five stars. Ooh, nice. Let's high five. Ready? Oh, hey. high five. oh wait, that was right, hold, on. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Oh, I got to move my mic so I can reach. There, there we go. That was a good one. There yeah. we go. And then we've got uh, Frank the Trucker. I wonder if Frank listens to jazz. <laughs> now, uh, wait, is Frank a big rig trucker? Or I don't know. Okay. It's just his name is Frank the Trucker. Okay. He says, love the chemistry. Keep doing what you're doing. Five stars. Five stars. Another high five. Yeah. Good one. <laughs> All right, Light. So I, I want to shift gears here a little bit. And uh, I want to talk about an event that just happened uh, last week. And a uh, pretty cool event. It's called Overland Expo. They've been doing it for a number of years in Arizona, and it's this overlanding crowd where I think you and I know it as car camping. I think the rest of the world knows it as car camping. Right. But it's where people take their trucks and attach a bunch of expensive stuff like refrigerators and tents and things to it. <laughs> <laughs> and they disappear out in the wilderness for you know some period of time. And one of our guys from the Four Wheeler Network, David Hamilton, uh, was there. And let's give him a call because I'm kind of curious to talk about- Be- Before you dial, before yeah. you dial- the term overlanding, like yeah. where did that, that's a very fancy term for something that people have been doing for a very long right. time. So how did this new kind of like bourgeois, <laughs> yeah, no. you know, like, See, my, my wife calls it bougie. She's like, oh, is that bougie camping? You know, it's yeah. I mean, she met me and, and I had my, I have a Wrangler. That's all, that's all you know done up. And, um, but it's not, doesn't have a rooftop tent. It has bypass shocks and it's fun to go fast. And I can take it to Moab and do all those things, but also go car camping with it. And I remember when we first met, it was like one of our first dates, she goes, oh, you have a bougie Jeep. <laughs> but it's Because it, it had doors. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, she's never been to Overland Expo, because if she was, she would see like the true bougie, uh, bougie now, stuff. Now, is that, are we talking Range Rovers? Are everything. We talk- Land Cruisers, Range Rovers, uh, you know, Jeeps, Toyota Tacomas are huge. I mean- Is that part of, let me ask you really quick, to, to take a tangent, Truck Show Podcast, do we cover- Range Rovers and Land Rovers? Is sure, that something that yeah. we would ever touch Body on? on frame, let's do it. Because they're not trucks. I don't think that our our listeners would consider those trucks. Yeah, we think we cover everything I mean, that's yeah. truckish. Okay, truckish. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's a Ridgeline, that's not a truck. Or El Camino. Those aren't trucks. Those okay, are that's true. Yeah, we determined that last episode, right? So I think we're talking to uh, David about an event. It, granted, it just happened. Yeah. Although I feel like that's uh, that falls kind of under where it's at. Yeah, let's do the intro. Where's that? I've got four chrome rims and a steering wheel. I've got four chrome rims and a steering wheel. I've got four chrome rims and a steering wheel. I don't know. Do they? I don't think there's probably any chrome up there. I don't think there's any chrome. Maybe at that's all. not the appropriate theme. <laughs> Hello, David Hamilton, Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. Sup? What's happening, guys? 
Hey, so uh, we were just talking about the Overland Expo, which you've been going yearly for, for a number of years now. And we're talking about how, you know, there's this whole industry that is basically car camping, but has a fancy name where a bunch of uh, people <laughs> bolt all sorts of things in their trucks and Jeeps. And uh, we wanted to see uh, what you thought of this year's event. And I'm especially curious, what kind of truck impact has there been? Because Tacoma, Colorado, I mean, it seems like those things are, are everywhere now in the overlanding community. Very true. The, the, the pickup trucks uh, side of things is like the Tacoma's just was a, a very well represented vehicle out there. And this, and the, the Colorado is, is, is up and coming as well. A bunch of guys uh, making product for that as well. So, and, and as you know, the Wrangler Jeep uh, JK and the new jail. Yeah. Jails everywhere. I can, I can only imagine, you know, not as much as the, the, um, Easter Jeep, but definitely they were, you could see them here and there throughout like the Toyota, Tacoma and the Forerunners were were probably that and the Sprinter van was. Well, you got to look at the Sprinter van. Well, yeah, but you got you got to look at just sales because the jail has not been out long enough. Right. Yeah. So they right. can't. So the reason you saw them at Easter Jeep Safari is because that's become like SEMA of the, Utah, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. SEMA, yeah. So that, SEMA exactly. of the Jeep. So that was disproportionate, yeah, yeah. right? So now I think this is more a realistic look at what people are driving and well, have access to. What's yeah. What's really interesting sure. is, uh, you know, Overland Expo was sort of a place to kind of hawk your wares to that community and show people yeah. what's cool. It's basically the place you go. Hawking product you didn't know you needed, and you like, <laughs> like you go there and you're like, oh my god, that's the coolest thing I never thought about. It, right? So where was this and who organized it? Yes, yeah, so it, it started about 15 years ago. Um, Roseanne Hansen and her husband Jonathan Hansen was the editor of uh, Overland Journal magazine, and uh, Roseanne didn't even know there was an Overland an Journal magazine. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's like coffee table it's, book. It's beautiful. It oh, is. Wow. It is okay. a thick, thick, beautiful photography. It's a, it's a really cool niche, niche, niche magazine. It's a uh, six times a year. It's awesome. It's really, really cool. But so that started out of the magazine. Roseanne Hansen, um, she she did the event side of things. So she started it actually uh, near where they're located in Prescott, Arizona, and the very first one. Then it moved to south of Tucson. Then it moved up to Mormon Lake near Flagstaff. And now it's actually lo- located just a couple miles from downtown Flagstaff, which is awesome. And it's huge now. It, dude, there were 300-plus uh, uh, exhibitors. They, they wow. sold out sold out exhibitor space. They had 15,000 uh, people registered. So that oh it was God. a big event. It was huge. Yeah, but, it fills the town of Flagstaff. All the hotels are maxed out. It's, 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 ama- it's but ama- David, an amazing show. David, does this feel yeah. like you've been doing this for a long time, covering these types of things? Yeah. Does it feel like this is faddish? Or like it'll be gone in 10 years? Or is this a movement that's here to stay and now they finally have a name and everyone can kind of rally around it? You know, it's interesting because it used to be like, you know, kind of underground, you know, like you tell people what it's all about and they're like, what the heck is that? Yeah, right. (laughs) And and now you actually tell people, hey, rooftop tent. And they're like, oh, I know what that is. You know, I remember being in a a meeting with with a car company and they were asking about trends in the pickup truck space. And so I had brought up overlanding and they said, oh my God, tell, this sounds amazing. <laughs> tell us more about this overlanding. <laughs> right. You know, that's what I'm saying is right. you give something a name and all of a sudden right. it has weight. And I'm like, so did you ever have like a Vista Cruiser station wagon and your family drove and you put air mattress in the back and camped out of it for a week, and they're like, "Yes." I'm like, "That's overlanding." Did, dude. My, my mom and dad had a 1970 Vista Cruiser. See? That was our first campmobile. <laughs> that's that's awesome. But I mean, I think people, you know, if you tell them the people who don't know about it, it's it's basically fancy car camping. I mean, the yeah. cool thing about overlanding is 
it's it's all these awesome refrigerators like the ARB where you plug it into the Dometics. Um, you've got Yeti or or you know Pelican case, OtterBox coolers, which which yeah. hold ice for long. But you have gourmet chefs, so like this whole gourmet movement for foodies of cooking out in the middle of nowhere over a fire is now becoming a thing. You can get portable kitchens and tents, and then all these tools for recovery so that you're self sufficient. I think the key is it's really the self sufficiency of of the off-road world. It's like, takes that to another level where not only are you self-sufficient to get over the Rubicon or, or Moab or those places on the trail, you're self-sufficient to live out of your vehicle for uh, X amount of time. I think that's the, the romance of overlanding. You're right. And it's like the, the, the gear that's the coolest, like fits in the coolest places, small, lightweight. It's just pretty incredible that the, the amount of things that you can carry in your vehicle without it totally being overloaded. It's, it's like backpacking cool. for, for cars and trucks, it, right? It really is. It totally, that's, that, that market has really gone uh, toward that uh, that vehicle camping style. But, uh, David, but, this stuff yeah. that we're seeing bolted onto these uh, trucks and cars, mostly trucks, it's, yeah. it's spendy. Right. This is not this is like REI quality stuff, right? This is not better. This is. is not the target yeah. camping section, right? No. You gotta have a, a pretty big a big uh you know, Amex gold card or something. You know <laughs> <laughs> you're spending some cash at the at these events. Well it's, it's funny it's definitely high end. There's guys who have everything from your everyday pickup truck that's been outfitted. And we'll talk to a guy uh, coming up in a little bit, David Page, who has built a ton of Nissan concepts. You'll have Things like that, that that have all the racks and accessories they want, but you'll also have dedicated overland vehicles that are built on like Mitsubishi Fuso medium duty cab over truck right. chassis that have like a complete working, you know, it's like an RV four by four, but it's got satellite uplink and it's got, you know, uh, heaters and, and gas stoves and like <laughs> people expedition around the world in these things. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Well, it's interesting that the Sprinter van side of it, the Sprinter van and also the off-road trailers were really, really uh, popular. I would year. rather I mean, have a Sprinter van. Uh, David, as you yeah. know, David used to have a trailer. <laughs> yes. And not my not my favorite thing. Off-roading and towing does not, that is not. They don't mix. No, right. it right. sucks. I was just going to say, there's a new trailer, Australian company that I that I was able to check out and demo. It's a, the Opus Camper. It's a it's a pop-up, but it, you push a button and it airs itself up. Oh, so I saw that. Inflated. That thing's way and cool. The suspension on that thing, it's got Walker Evans shocks. And I, I that's one trailer I could think about pulling off. I mean, the technology these days, the, the tra- you hardly notice the trailers anymore. So not to give trailers a bad name, they're, they're pretty dang cool these days. So uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of these sprinters, which are, if you're not familiar, it's like a, it, it's a Mercedes. Yeah, Mercedes right? big van. Yeah. Okay, so, and w- yep. what did you see at this show that really impressed you with the sprinters? And also I want to talk about like what truck accessory for overlanding really impressed you. Well, the, uh, the, the sprinter van is really, with the four-wheel drive version of that van, you know, for, for the longest time you could only get a two-wheel drive, so you kind of limited your, your uh, accessibility to get really further off road. And then I think it's been now two years since they've had the, the four wheel drive sprinter van. And I, I heard some Intel at the show actually that like a week ago, Mercedes, they stopped the, the four wheel drive production and it's going to be off for two years. So now all these, these conversion companies are kind of freaking out going, Oh my God, now what are we going to do? Oh no. Cause so, a lot of these guys move from Sportmobile. So if, if people, they did, they, if you're familiar with Sportmobile it was basically the Ford Econoline chassis that had a four-wheel drive conversion done to it. And so it was about the size of a Super Duty, except it was totally enclosed, pop-up, like a Westphalia kind of a pop-up tent, you know, roof on it. And those yep. things are what, that was the standard. It was like a, a built-to-RV or yachting standards where everything was very high quality inside, not like cheap particle board and stuff, like nice wood finishes held together. 
and people have moved since Ford stopped production of that vehicle. People are starting moving to the Sprinter, as as David said, has four wheel drive now. But now, if they stop production, it's like that's a whole uh, cottage industry that's freaking out right now. No, it's throwing them for a loop. Like all these guys are like, oh, because literally, it's going to be two years until the new model four wheel drives come out. So that's that's going to be a big gap. So Did like hear- the Ford Transit's going to be, you know probably a lot more yeah there's a a conversion (laughs) company that does a uh the transit four-wheel drive um and then did i hear quigley quigley yeah and then did i hear correctly that there's actually a nissan nv vans we're starting to uh, also get the quigley treatment yep they, yeah, oh, they, and they had those out there at the show too, and they they look awesome, dude. They look so cool. The thing I love, <laughs> love about those is they're still body on frame, like the Econolines. It's still a truck um, base. Yeah. It's not unibody like everything else is out there. It's still a frame. Uh, in, yeah, it's got a face of a Titan. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and and to, to bring that up, um, you know, one of the things about Overland Expo that I think is really cool is a lot of manufacturers are starting to pay attention to it. Ram does Very a drive so. with power wagons and, and Rebels out there every year. Nissan's had some concepts, and we'll talk to the guy who's built those. Matt Felderman, if you guys remember a few episodes back, we had Matt Felderman on from AEV, and we were talking about yep. the ZR2 concept that was at SEMA. And uh, Matt basically had told us, oh, you know, we'll let you know <laughs> if we're going to do some Colorado. At the show, at the Overland Expo, they debuted their new Chevy Colorado wheels and snorkel. Ah, yep. <laughs> so yes, and, and with the Colorado, that being, sucks that he wouldn't cop to it on I our know, show right? first. Oh man! <laughs> and then if you think about it, the the Chevy Colorado is gaining a lot of traction. It's it's a lot newer frame, a lot stiffer, all of that stuff than the um, than the Tacoma, and it has diesel availability, which is really cool for the overlanding crowd who wants range and doesn't want to carry a bunch of fuel and all that kind of stuff. So, right. Right, David, here's the question though: for a lot of people yeah. listening, they're like, I don't know this. I'm nowhere near Flagstaff, Arizona, right? I'm in Florida, yeah. whatever. Is this? Are there any other events that you're aware of where people can go and see this? Can they go like, where is the kind of the one stop yes. shopping for someone who wants to get into this? Well, it's cool because they actually have an East Coast version of this very same event in Asheville, North Carolina, and, it, and this year will be I think the third year in the East Coast. So yeah, that's right. Actually, it, it's great. Yeah. So it, it's and it's the same exact um, footprint. You know, the, the same recipe. Like they've got classes. They've got. Uh, where you're actually live, you're pulling your winch out. They're showing you how to winch your vehicle, showing you how to cook meals, how to ship your vehicle from South Africa. Where you know, so it's pretty, pretty amazing uh, education classes that they have as well. So, how many people, David, um, when you go to this show and you're looking around the patrons that are out there, and you look, yeah. at, you look into their eyes and you go. You shouldn't be here. You have no business camping. You're going to get lost in the wilderness. You have not, no idea how to hunt. You're going to die. <laughs> you know, and the, the crowds, like, I love the people watch. And it was a great people watching event because, you know, there's people from all types, from newbies who the first time ever to seeing all the stuff to the, to the seasoned veterans. So it's really cool. And to hear the people talking about, like, what vehicles they like, the Earth Roamer. Like, I heard a husband, wife, like, Honey, which which Earth Roamer would you get? You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> said, said nobody in my life ever. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if we sold the house, could we get an Earth Roamer? <laughs> which, by the way, the Earth Roamers are these amazing, like uh, basically a Ford uh, one point five million dollar. Yeah, vehicle. it's a motorhome chassis. It's a motorhome made for overlanding, built on a, a Super Duty chassis cab. And okay. they're amazing. Yeah. And, no, no, serious. How much are they? <laughs> a million and a half. A million and a half dollars. Why? <laughs> it is literally a house on wheels with everything Bells you need. And yeah. But it's tiny. No. Oh, it's huge. It's, it's, it's giant. It's like built on an F 
what F550? F550? Yeah, or I think yeah. F550. Yeah, 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 Massive I'm, tires. I'm, I'm, dude, I'm I'm buying a Beaver Coach. You know, and I'm I'm buying <laughs> I'm being a I'm buying a Rockstar's it, tour bus. It's all about right. what the way you look at it. Okay, so you can just get your Winnebago from Fred Williams that now has 40s on it from Dirt Every Day, <laughs> right? And all the money you saved, you can have AAA take you out of uh, Russia or China if you get stuck, right? Right. Just the have Tata. Them... You could have a Dakar rally. <laughs> Rigs, the the man truck, yeah, you can have a helicopter come airlift you out of wherever a you are. A million yeah. dollars for a Ford yeah. RV. It's not even yeah. RV. It's a truck. Yeah, it's I, a but, truck. But it's pretty. It's pretty badass. I'm not saying it's not badass. <laughs> I'm just saying. Is it a million badass? I'm taking Garth Brooks RV. Is what yeah. I'm taking. Yeah. Well, oh, you're not yeah. gonna go far off road with that. <laughs> but I mean, but you could get all the lot lizards at the truck stop that you want. <laughs> 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 and another sneak sneak peek um roseanne she was telling me that the, the gm guys were actually there balking the show this year and they will have a booth there at the next uh overland expo so that's to, to breaking you news how, you heard it on the truck show popular. podcast first to show you how how well the colorado canyon you know zr2 is just like really making in inroads with that uh overlanding crowd we talked when we had uh who do we have on matt felder oh from jeep from gm oh yeah matt felderman uh from av or uh, tim herrick from yeah, GM. tim herrick from from gm right so we had tim on and we were talking about how aggressive gm is becoming in the aftermarket space but within gm so you can get all the bolt-ons right. are available through yeah. the dealer that'd be very interesting to see how they address this overlanding crowd inside Chevy and you know and GMC dealerships. I think with with them uh, letting Dave Harrington have a have a ZR2 said go drive it Moab see what you think and Dave said that it's one of the most impressive vehicles he's ever driven stock. That's the so, uh, founder of AEV American Expedition yeah. Vehicles. So right and, and he does some crazy stuff like he and he's a Jeeper and, and yeah, Dodge guy. So the, to see him. Colorado ZR2, what we talked about uh, a few episodes back, was the first non Jeep or Chrysler FCA vehicle that AV's ever done and to have their resources always focused on you know the jeeps and and that world and the rams to split up their r&d focus and bring some of those resources over to the zr2 with chevy tells you how good that platform is and how impressive it is i can't wait till the new you know nissan the new you know whatever else comes up next is gonna be great so the new jeep j you know jt yeah the truck awesome oh i can't wait plus with the diesel oh Oh, man i think that's gonna be expensive (laughs) but that's what i got my eye on jeep regular pickup future out over landing vehicles right there so man at that market's only gonna grow grow and grow i'm just saying if i'm going camping I'm putting stakes in the dirt, and I'm putting them a little pit tent, and I'm sleeping under the stars, and screw all this noise. And you're eating Lunchables out of your soggy Dude, cooler. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I got a cup of noodles and some freaking boiling water, you know? What, what whatever do you need? All this. Whatever all this. Car Shenanigans. <laughs> all right, well, David, well, thank you very much for bringing us up to speed. It. Yeah. Welcome, guys. Have fun. All right, buddy. Talk right. to you soon. Thanks. Cheers. Later. Bye-bye. So, wow. So, that was pretty cool talking to uh, David Hamilton about Overland Expo. I still don't really get... I get it. Yeah. I get it. Of course I get it. Yeah. But I maybe it's just not me, and, and I'm old, and I'm like, I just... I, oh, there's plenty of guys older than you. The problem is you're not rich enough. Is that it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it could be. <laughs> it's, it's the ultimate thing for either a prepper, a gadget guy, somebody who just wants to get away from an urban environment and just enjoy nature. For me personally... I love. But you're getting. Hold on a second. But you're getting, you're getting to nature. Yeah. But you're taking 
the most technologically <laughs> right? advanced could you like you know you gadgets like, yeah, with you right. and i feel like that's defeating the purpose kind of listen if someone called me tomorrow and said let's do it i'm yeah. going to alaska oh you do it up the alcan highway yeah. and obviously and i do in. it in comfort you'd be I, like this is the coolest thing of ever. course i yeah, am yeah, and i'm loving yeah. it and i'm coming oh, yeah. back down here and i'm and, and i'm initiated yeah but i just maybe maybe it's a money thing i don't know, I don't know. is he local no <laughs> david page Yes, sir. Hey, it's uh, the Truck Show Podcast with Lightning and Holman. What's happening? What's going on, my brother? Hey, we were just talking about Overland Expo, and I thought you'd be a pretty cool person to talk to because you built a rig that was just unveiled there. But first, we have to get to your intro. Sounds great. Pull up a stool and share. Pull up a stool and share a story. Pull up a stool and share. How about you pull up a stool and share with us? Pull up a stool, David. <laughs> I got a stool. <laughs> so we were just talking to uh, one of our guys from Four Wheeler, David Hamilton, and we were talking about Overland Expo and how Overland Expo is one of those events that has absolutely caught fire in the last few years, although they've been doing it for 15 plus years. Well, grown organically, but now yeah, it's the spot. Now, right. And now you have manufacturers like GM and Nissan and Toyota. And so the question we were asking ourselves is, when you have an event like that, if the OE starts sniffing around and paying attention to it, has it jumped the shark? Or does it all come down to finding a guy like you who can make them relevant and credible in that space? And and you've done that for Nissan. So we just wanted to kind of talk through some you've of the already, things. You can't, you answered it for him. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to go home now. Are we done? <laughs> well, I wish I could take all the credit for it, but... Uh... Working with uh, the PR team as well as Tiago Castro, we uh, we have a really great creative, basically brain trust, and uh, we came up with a cool concept and and ran away with it last year with uh, Project Basecamp based on the Nissan Titan XD platform, and uh, as you were just alluding to, we just uh, unveiled the uh, Mountain Patrol concept uh, on the Nissan Armada platform this year at Overland Expo. And so explain to Lightning because we were talking about this before we had you on. Why is it called the Mountain Patrol? Obviously, the precursor to that was the Snow Patrol. It's obviously, a, for us in the know, a play on words. So why don't you talk about what that means, the patrol? Well, I think it all comes down to the Global Patrol, uh, which is one of the world's most widely coveted off-road vehicles pretty well anywhere outside the U.S. Um, it is a bulletproof uh, chassis and, and very well known for its off-road prowess. Yeah, so that's and, the that's the Land, Toyota Land Cruiser competitor overseas. It's available yep. all over the world, and except oh, for here, no, no, it's here. It's known as the Infinity QX. Oh, the QX80. Okay, that's a yep. put Nissan Patrol, and more recently, the Nissan Armada is also a version of the Patrol. Got it. So okay. there's your play on words for the Mountain Patrol is the latest iteration that uh, David and his team have come up with to kind of court the off road enthusiast. So if you want to talk to us a little bit about how some of these concepts came to be and, and what's cool about them. Well, for, well wait, 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 stop. David, right there, before you start on that one, I need to know the backstory on, on Fluid Peak Collective and what is, <laughs> what is that made-up jargon right there? <laughs> well, uh, I, as, as Sean just said, I, I'm part of a team, and uh, nobody gets anything done by themselves. And I have a really great team of people behind me, and we came together as a collective uh, a brain trust, so to speak. And, 
Um, you know, the PR team, uh, Dan Bedore and Wendy uh, Orsman at, at Nissan uh, picked us up uh, off of Tiago Castro's um, recommendation and said we should try and do some things with these guys. And we uh, worked pretty while we we're really close with the with the product development team, Brent Hagen, um, to come up with the, the Project Basecamp uh, platform last year. And, you know, there again, it, it did really well. It was on the cover of Truck Trend in uh, last month. And thank you for that, guys. We thought that uh, we had a good thing going and we should uh, keep, keep up with what we had done last year and came up with a new concept this year. Um, they started with the, the Snow Patrol in December and into January and that hit off really well at the, at the Chicago auto show. And I thought to myself, I said, you know, there, there is no other better platform out there in the Nissan uh, realm than the Armada for overlanding other than the truck. And I thought that it was a good platform to start with, with the heritage of the patrol. Uh, it's very, very capable stock as an off-road vehicle. And I thought with some modifications, we could come up with something really cool. And so let's let's talk about what you guys did to it. How does the concept start, and then what becomes the reality? Well, we started off with a you know shooting some ideas back and forth between product development and the PR team and and uh, the Armada team, and we had a meeting and and they kind of said you know what do you think you can do? And I said what would you like me to do? And and they said you know let's make a hell of an overlander. So and, and while the, way, the I think it's important to note that overseas the patrol front and rear lockers center locking differential. Yes. We don't get some of the doodads here in the States that make this thing really a beast off-road. So I think part of what Nissan and, and David's team... <laughs> I think that part of what Nissan and David's team did was try and envision what a North American patrol all done up would be and how far they exactly. could take that platform. Exactly. And that's uh, that's where we started. And I believe we, we got pretty dang close. And what does that include? Um, take take me through just a brief list of some of the parts that are that I'm looking at in this in this photograph that no one can see until we post it on <laughs> at Truck Show Podcast. <laughs> well, we started with suspension uh, and all suspension has to start somewhere. Um, there's not a lot available for it out there because not many people, I don't believe, have thought of the Armada as the patrol. Um, this was the start of that, I hope. Uh, and we we went with a Cal Mini uh, drop bracket system to gain a little bit of height so that we could fit a tire without having to cut any any sheet metal at all. What, what, what um, size tires are we looking at here, David? 30, 35, 12, 50, 17. I've got some meat uh, under yeah, that. Yeah, pretty standard. Yeah, we did. Right. Yeah. Right. We did. And uh, one of the other things, b- before I jump too far into the build, uh, we were talking and, you know, how do, how do we make this thing really cool and how do we get people activated and, and spread some education and some brand awareness? And we thought, of, you know, we came up with a crowdsourced build. Uh, and and spoke to the to the Nissan fans and said, hey, you know, we're going to give you a few of these uh, few options out there. Why don't you help us build this vehicle? And that was done and through Facebook, right? Through Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. And it really, really, it turned out really well. We we had a lot of engagement. You know, got a lot of people thinking. Well, geez, I never even thought about using the Armada for something like this. And you know, there again, brand awareness is everything. So. Um, it, it really helped and it was a fun, it was a fun process, but back to the build, we did a Cal mini six inch drop bracket. Uh, and then we used icon vehicle dynamics, uh, coilovers, uh, to give it a really great ride. I have that in project base base camp. So, um, going back to what I really liked about base camp and, and putting it forth into this, uh, there again, we used Nitto's, uh, trail grapplers, um, on icon rebound wheels. 
we did use ARB uh, front and rear lockers from Australia, actually. Again, that getting was, that, that capability back point. that we don't have in the U.S. spec version. Basically pay homage to, to the World Patrol uh, with this version and call it the Mountain Patrol. Uh, we use CVT's um, tent up top sitting on a, a Rhino Rack uh, Pioneer platform and backbone system, uh, which is the roof rack that you see. Baja Designs lights. We use the XJ80s uh, up top, uh, their, their spot and their flood. Uh, so there's a broad variety of light up top. Um, Rhino Rack threw on uh, a bat wing. Um, so we have an awning uh, that's basically, uh, I think it's 207. No. Yeah. Those, yeah, 270 degrees. The Batwing awning, for anybody who doesn't know, typically you might think of an RV awning. You pull straight out from your vehicle, right? The Batwing awning has a pivot point toward the rear of the vehicle, so you yeah. pull it out like a fan, like you would as a fan yourself, okay. and it covers like half the vehicle because it wraps like the, around the rear The as Japanese, well. the geisha girls yeah, 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 use? exactly. Right? Okay. So they have awning systems that do that to cover, give you more shade around your vehicle, which is pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. How are they in the wind? Better, you know, if you, if you tie them down, you know, they come with a snake system, and if you tie them down, they work great. Okay. Uh, if you don't, they they do catch wind. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is a sale. Right, right, right. And so this uh, graphics package is this a one-off, or it might this be something that you offer? Now, this graphics package, I'm looking at basically it's an orange uh, yeah. sand. It's a mountain scenery. The Overland Market is a lot of drabs and flat paints and earth greens tones. and tans and earth tones. Think of it so as we, the uh, of the Sears vinyl siding collection. Like that's the color. <laughs> that's the color palette of the Overlanding right, crowd. But, but it's this is it cool, is. and it's you've got pine trees and a mountain scene, and but it, it is muted. I like it. Was this a wrap or is this paint? It is a wrap. Uh, we decided to to do a wrap on it just uh, and let the people build on it. We didn't have a lot of time, so a wrap was essential for that. Moving away from the armadas, you guys have uh, you personally have been involved in a couple of Titan builds. One of them you alluded to earlier, which is the base camp, which was mm-hmm. last year's Overland Expo Overland vehicle. But then something completely different um, this year. We talked about I, uh, my team and I participated in the Titan meetup, and you had built a vehicle for that. Yeah, we built a smoking Titan, and I'm I'm gonna uh, lay this at your feet, Sean. You you got this whole thing started. Now wait a minute. So first, back up and tell me what the Titan meetup is. The Titan meetup was uh, was an event based around uh, then uh, truck DP Billy Hayes uh, laid down a, a, a pretty uh, fair uh, challenge saying that he could smoke meat with anybody. You know, Sean took that as a fair challenge and said, I, you know, I, I see your, your bet and I raise you. I think it was, and, I see uh, your meat and I raise you. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I, she said. I, the background story on that was at the Texas State Fair, which is another one of those events that's becoming very important to the truck world. Last year. Is it really? Yeah. You're not joking. No, no. There's a huge truck auto show where they unveil things now there. It's it's really important to be there every September. Okay. Yeah. And so Billy and I were talking and and Billy, uh, you know, is a foodie. I'm a foodie. He loves barbecue. I love barbecue. We started getting- I wouldn't know by your physique. No, no. (laughs) Um, uh, Billy had said, I I, I put my meat up against anybody, and uh, I said, okay, I, I challenge you to a meetup, and M-E-A-T, and that sort of oh. that sort of morphed into the Nissan PR team who, you know, these, they're incredibly clever, thought, hey, we can build an event around this, and then David, enter David, it's like, hey, by the way, we need to make a Titan that can, uh, that you can cook on, and then David, talk about what you guys did with this truck leading up to the meetup because that's actually pretty cool and we should probably talk about what you did to the truck as well 
Yeah, I mean, uh, we we getting to the meetup, we went ahead and took it on a, a barbecue tour of the most iconic barbecue locations between Idaho Falls, Idaho, where my shop and I live, and Nashville, Tennessee. And we stopped in, in Colorado. We stopped in Kansas City. We stopped in St. Louis, Memphis, and then at Loveless Cafe in Nashville. It was really cool. It gave uh, local regional teams uh, from Nissan and the ability to bring out their uh, their media and see the truck, as well as just you know showing up in iconic barbecue locations and having this truck that was purpose built for barbecue at their at their locations. It was a fun it was a fun uh, exercise and, and it turned out really cool for the. So media. we've got we've got a Titan and it's pulling a trailer that's the back half of a of a Titan. It's basically right pulling its bed yeah. because the bed's been replaced with this really super awesome aluminum flatbed enclosure. But it's not just an aluminum flatbed like you'd put a quad on the back. Like it's made, like David. It's a full outdoor barbecue setup yeah. right here, right? Oh, it's, it's awesome! The, it's the world's first mobile truck kitchen, uh, <laughs> and and we researched that to make sure that we could actually hang our hats on that, and we could. So it, uh, we started with a, a Titan XD gas uh, King Cab um, because the King Cab has the rear seat delete. On the inside, where the re- rear seat delete is, we have uh, an ARB fridge freezer combo, so we can keep our meat. Uh, chilled or or frozen. Uh, then we put a uh, an aluminum flatbed on it. But on top of the flatbed, we went ahead and put partner steel uh, two burner stoves. We put three of those out there. Uh, and next to the stoves, by the way, that's uh, that's more burners than I have on the stove in my actual kitchen in my <laughs> yeah, house. Right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> right, it is. But I, if I remember right, Holman, I think you used four of those at one time. That's actually true. Well, how many? So, how much meat were you cooking up? Oh, I, I cook a lot of meat. <laughs> no, I mean, really, though, for this for this event. Uh, well, for the event, we used uh, Traeger grills that Traeger provided uh, the Nissan media and the media teams. And uh, brand new, pretty cool. I'm a charcoal guy. I use a Weber Smoky Mountain, so anybody out there who's into smoking meat kind of, they oh, you're a charcoal guy. They get that. But the Traeger's nice, too. It's uh, I wouldn't say it's foolproof because you got they'll run on you on temperature and all that. But we made a ton of stuff. We did a full brisket. And then we cut, we got a separate point and we made burnt ends, which is like a delicacy in the barbecue barbecue world. And we mm-hmm. did a uh, jalapeno, five cheese, mac and cheese. Oh my Lord. Oh, We did a- uh, It was so good. And who, who, so who's eating all this food when you're done? Uh, all of us. Oh, so you just devoured your own. So food, basically, right? you made one plate for the judges, does right? I, so it, does the public get to partake in any of this? No, 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 no. This was a, a media event. And so there's six teams, five media teams going up against the Nissan team. And so we would cook. We made one plate for the judges uh, who were famous celebrity chefs, which is pretty cool. So David Rose and uh, Corey Bear. So he had won, I believe, was it Chopped on the Food Network? Chopped. Yeah. He, he won Chopped and then uh, actually beat uh, Bobby Flay. Bobby Flay at yeah. a competition. So, as well. so legitimate. And he told me that my homemade Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce was the best cola-based barbecue sauce he ever had. And if I bottled it, I'd be making money. Oh, I remember you came yeah, off yeah. that trip. You came back from that trip and I, you were furious I, I you didn't win. Yeah, yeah. Dude, David, he was so <laughs> pissed off. He's like, everyone knew <laughs> it was the best and I didn't win. There. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you, you had my brisket and you had Billy's brisket. Come on. Yeah, I'm impartial. Oh, impartial. You know what? Billy even came and told me I should have won that. So I'm taking that. I'm taking that as yeah, a moral victory. Hey, Holman, <laughs> you know, you know, I ate your barbecue, and I kept coming back for more barbecue. That's it true. Was that good. That's so, true. David. Who made? Who built this truck? So you you conceived of it. Your team conceived of it. But then actually, someone had a wrench and build this. Well, I I turned most of the wrenches. Well, I turned all the wrenches on the two Overland trucks. 
Uh, and then I have uh, a partial team uh, called BNS Customizing. His name's Bart Stallworthy. Uh, he has done a lot of really big RV builds and dealt specifically with flatbeds. So I incorporated him and his team along with my team to, to build Smoke and Titan. You know what? I, I just have to say I'm blessed to work with the people at Nissan that I do. I mean, Tiago and Fred have given me a, a long runway and and they allow us to come up with harebrained ideas like the Smoke and Titan and the, the two overlanding rigs and, and run away with it. And I believe every time uh, we build a vehicle like this, it shows the public, hey, these trucks and cars and, and you know, SUVs are, are worth taking a look at in different forms such as overlanding or you know putting a flatbed on or whatever it may be and in full disclosure this isn't just because nissan's our presenting sponsor but the team at nissan are really awesome people to work with Well, you did this way before we ever knew that nissan was going to come oh well yeah yeah this started a year before we ever even it was before even the podcast conversation but what's funny is we were talking about uh you know lightning and i were talking last episode about the warranty on the truck so five year hundred thousand mile and talking about how the pr team how clever they are they bought all of the fruitcakes out from costco i don't know if you heard the story from wendy but (laughs) i did yeah so you know they bought up all the fruitcakes at costco Slap labels on them and emailed them out to the press and said the only thing that will outlast our warranty is this fruitcake. <laughs> I mean, that's yep. the kind of that's the kind of people that they are. They're always clever and fun and and up for a challenge of how do you get the brand in front of new audiences and and David's been a part of that with these these builds. Yeah, it's been it's been really great. They're fun to work with and both the vehicles, all three of the vehicles that I built speak for themselves as far as the platform. You know, the the XD, the Titan is a great truck. The Titan XD is a is a great truck and the Armada is is fully capable in the off-road world. And I think uh, Mountain Patrol really opened a lot of people's eyes at OE last week. What is currently in your shop right now? Currently in my shop right now, there may or may not be a Titan XD that might take on a different different look and feel. Mm, fair enough. All right. I like so, that. No, no, no. Wait, just, just the saver? Get, no, don't make any noise. Just dead silence until until David has to say oh, something. the awkward silence. Yeah, yeah. Watch. Oh, hold on. Aw- awkward silence, huh? How about your beard, Holman? <laughs> oh, damn it. See, he's, I, he's had conversations with you before. Like, so, so here's this is where I think the Titan meetup got sideways. So Billy challenged it wasn't, me. It wasn't, your, it wasn't your brisket. No, no. He he said, "Oh, I challenge you. I'll bet you your beard that I win." And I'm like, "Okay, I'll take that because I'm not defined by my beard. Whatever, right?" Uh, but I think behind the scenes, they kind of did some. You know, I, I had the better food, and so I think they all wanted to see my beard shaving off. Which <laughs> I don't know why, because I am ugly. <laughs> this is like the once every ten years where you shave your beard. The funny thing about David is he's like, dude. Don't shave your beard. And I'm like, I do no, it's a bet. I, I'm I'm cool with it. He goes, Well, you know how you get back at him, don't you? I go, I'm all ears. He goes, You send him your beard clippings in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I almost if I was I love Billy Hayes a lot, so I would never do this. But I'm telling you, when I was shaving my beard, I was thinking a Ziploc bag yeah. and some barbecue sauce <laughs> would be freaking oh, awesome. Oh, <laughs> a great way to get back. <laughs> love that. Well, oh. I, t- I tell you, Sean Holman, the best way you get back at him next year is show back up at Pigeon Forge, Tennessee with a new brisket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's dumb luck and a little bit of uh Can I come this year or do I have to work for a magazine? No, you can come. I, I, I have a team. And <laughs> you have a team? Yeah. Well, do I, I get, get to wear an apron? Yes, but uh, you got you to gotta work. I'm happy you to gotta, work. You got to be a sous chef. Yeah, fine. Oh, dude, well, we're coming back because uh, it was supposed to be a one-year event. And yeah. it went to a different level, 
and everybody's like, what are we doing next year? And they all looked at me like, oh, are you coming back? I'm like, yeah, I got to win this thing. As long as it's not like Cake Boss and we're not no. making, you know, sweets he, or Here's something. the deal. I want to win this one stupid thing so I can tell people I have award-winning barbecue, and then I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> well, well did, I thought I was only going to do Smoking Titan number one, and now that you everybody said they're coming back, now they're going to look at me and want me to do Smoking Titan number two. If people want to follow uh, Fluid Peak, you've got uh, your social? Yeah, we've got a flu- uh, on an Instagram page. It's Fluid Peak. Yep, at Fluid Peak. Well, dude, thank you very much for coming on and uh, kind of explaining hey. some of the behind the scenes. Thanks thanks for having me. And hey, you get to have my barbecue once a year, so that's not a bad deal. <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> David Page, Fluid Peak Collective. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Talk to you thanks, soon. Thanks, guys. All, All right. right. Let All us right. see you. It is time for me to reach over and hit a button that sounds a lot like this. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Uh. Holman, what the hell is new in trucks this week? Well, did you hear about Ford? I mean, ex- except for that whole, like, we're not going to make cars anymore thing. Dude, Is that what you're talking the, yeah, about? What's up with that? I, I mean, I feel like it's, I guess it's technically old news, kind of, sort of, right, it's a week yeah. old. Uh, we didn't have a chance to get to it last week, but dude, like, really? So they're saying I mean, no cars, except for Mustang. Henry Ford spinning around in his grave. Like, Probably. this is nuts. So, and how did we get to this point? No Fiestas? No Fusions? No Tori? Tauruses, right? Is it Tori? I no, don't know. I love Tauruses. <laughs> Tauruses? <laughs> Whatever. Tauri is funnier, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're basically going to have like some little Chinese-made focus uh, active sport thing and the Mustang. Those are going to be, those are their car-ish things. Everything else. <laughs> car-ish. <laughs> those, uh, everything else is going to be a truck, truck or SUV. But you would say everything else. How much everything. is everything else? Everything. So there's F-150, F-250, yep. 350, 450, whatever. Uh, all those. Ranger. Okay. Uh, medium, Bronco. Medium duty. Medium duty. Okay. Um, Expedition. Explorer. I thought that, I understand that trucks are their profit center and probably have been for many, many years. Yeah. But are they really operating at a loss on their- I don't think so. I I think- On their cars? I don't get it. So the CEO of Ford now, Hackett, he, you know- wants the margins improved, as do most CEOs of large companies. Um, Ford apparently has a couple percentage points below GM in the margins department, and they think that by eliminating all the R&D and cars that they'll be able to increase their margin and make the shareholders happy. But, God, I got to... I have to wonder... Well, wait, 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 for the R&D, if, if it, it's about R&D, which I can't believe it is, but if it is R&D, just stop making new models for a couple of years. Yeah, but then you fall behind. I, I got to wonder if you're Honda, Toyota, Nissan, whoever, are you like Chevrolet? Are you super excited that millions of cars are now going to leave the marketplace and allow you to fight over that market share? But what I'm really worried about is how do you keep the Ford family together, right? You, you start in the small car, the used car, maybe in high school, you get your first sedan out of you know college with your new job, you get your... Ford truck with your family on and on and on and keep everything there is does everybody really want I mean they're saying the trend is SUV and trucks only but I, I gotta imagine that that's I mean they're smarter about their business than we are I just can't imagine a, a car company ceasing to be a car company any longer 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I like trucks, I mean, obviously. But I, yeah, obviously, but but we're we're seeing it. We yeah. are seeing it. Yeah, I mean, and we're going to live through it. Well, and Ford came out not too long ago and said, you know, is it two years ago? We're not a car company. We're a technology company, and here's our things for the future. And we're going to have a steering wheelless car in a few years. It's going to be a pod that picks you up. And there was a lot of backlash on that. Um, and it just sounds like you know, typical big company wants to diversify their income stream, right? So they're going to throw things at the wall and see what sticks. And so they're investing in a lot of different technologies like um, chariot ride sharing well, and but stuff or, like that. Or are they legitimately scared of the future? Meaning, are they looking at and are they looking at Google and saying they're going to they've got more money and they're going to outdevelop us? Maybe. And I, I, that'd be very interesting. I don't I mean, know. They're like. What we do is we do trucks and we're making 30% I mean, margin on yeah, them. Yeah, and, and you can't, listen, you can't argue with Ford's success in trucks. I mean, there's a company that knows trucks and SUVs, like they've proven that. They've proven that through sales and, and longevity and all the things that make a Ford a Ford, right? But to say that half our product lineup, I mean, are, if you're a car engineer right now, are you thinking, am I going to lose my job? Or does everybody go are. to SUVs and trucks? It's no, crazy to no. me. No, those, those, those. Okay, well, I, I don't know the answer to this, but I would assume that they're not going to double their offerings in, in trucks. I, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen the roadmap. I, I, it's just it's interesting. I know that there are some new trucks and SUVs coming out, Bronco being one of them. I mean, does this, what does this mean for thousands of factory workers? What about dealers as well, right? Like, Well, you're let, still going to the, – the dealers will still sell trucks, and if trucks were what yeah. we're selling – yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a, very like, wild. Yeah, I know the I know the I know that the news is a little bit more than a week old, but I still haven't wrapped my head around it. Like it it like hit hard one day. It's almost like the industry refused to believe it, and then there stopped kind of being stories about it. And at least in the mainstream, no, I did. I heard it. And I go, oh, that's yeah. bizarre, and not no way that's possible. Right, and moved on to the next thing. Right, exactly. So anyway, I, I would love to hear from our listeners. Send us an email, truckshowpodcast at gmail What do you think about Ford? abandoning the car market. Anyway, I want to get to happier news, though. Did you see the uh, spy photos that came out on uh, Truck Trend of the 2020 Chevrolet Silverado? Oh, yes, I did. And it was cool that you guys watermarked them because yeah. they were on everyone's Instagram. <laughs> and I just thought, okay, well, and they weren't given these jackass, so many 22-year-old oh, yeah. college Stealing students photos. with all these in- massive Instagram followings, and they steal everyone's <laughs> oh, yeah. photos, and they all say, tag it if you're if this is your truck, tag it if you know the <laughs> owner. What does that even mean, I by the way? Know. You've all seen that Instagram that says they have a really cool lifted truck, and they go, tag the owner. Right. What does that mean? <laughs> no, you So know. that he knows you stole his photo, I guess. <laughs> no one knows who owns that truck. Yeah. I mean, the guy who owns it, but like, what yeah. is tag the owner? Does that mean tag it if you wish you owned this truck? No, I think they want the owner to know they're helping with exposure or something. No, 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 no. You don't think so? No, I think it's tag your buddy. Buddy who wants to own the truck. Who wants to own that truck. Yeah. But they say tag the owner. Okay, well, whatever. I'm excited. I want to reach through my phone (laughs) and punch that dude with the Instagram handle. You don't want to hit him with your cane like the uh, neighbor kids that bother you? Get off my Instagram, (laughs) you whippersnapper! (laughs) So anyway, the the new uh, Silverado 3500s, 2500s, uh, we got some interior spy photos. Look just like the halftime. Were they so. shot by our friend that we spoke to they, uh, two episodes yeah, ago? Absolutely, Brian, Brian Williams. Brian, yep, yep. So uh, Brian uh, sent us some photos, and the trucks are obviously in camo, but they did. There is a teaser that that went up of it. The lighting hides the lines and all that, but you can see a little bit of the top of the grill and the the forced induction hood and all that. But um, I hear there's some exciting things coming for the heavy duties. So. Fingers crossed. You we'll see. I mean, what do you mean? You hear what about stuff? Stuff. 
You then, so you know, and you're not going to say. No, I, I actually don't I can know tell on this that one. You, no, you I, know something. I, I I know some things. Yeah, I think the torque number is going to be special at some point. Oh, over a thousand. I think the torque number is going to be special. Over a thousand. Uh, I think the torque number is going to be special. Over a thousand. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, and then the uh, the last thing that came out this week is uh, Ford is upgrading the Raptor. How so? <laughs> no, right? It's How like, so? With a with a hundred percent more Raptor. Yeah. How? What? Yeah, right? It's like, how does the Raptor get better? They're actually adding uh, trail control, which is like off-road cruise control for, for trails uh, between zero and 20 miles per hour. You can have, it's kind of like, you know, Toyota has crawl control. Uh, they're introducing it on the Ranger. It's going to be on the Raptor as well. So you have, a, a, I guess, a knob or a dial to do your speed. All you have to do is work the steering wheel, which why to me, that's would, no fun. Why would you ever want that? I don't think you'd want that it. That is totally... Not, yeah, if, yeah if right. If you're an enthusiast, road, you want to drive. Yeah, most, yeah, most certainly. So anyway, they're adding that. I don't think I would ever use it, but it's being added. More importantly, though, they actually upgraded the shocks. Again? How? Right. They're adding something that Fox Racing calls Fox's live valve technology, which uses electronic controls to adjust the shocks on the fly. So it's supposed to do some pretty cool stuff. like if M- Magnetically? Electronically. Right? Uh, With magnets. I don't know if it's <laughs> you don't pushing know. me on magnets. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with us? <laughs> I, don't, I haven't been in it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, can, can we end the show? <laughs> we can't end yet. We're not done. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Through. I dare you. <laughs> I just remember you telling me about a shock that was... You know that that they use magnets. <laughs> yeah, but it sounds funny. Just... They uh, there's some wizardry in there. <laughs> Go ahead. Might have some magnets. I don't know. Um, some magic shock dust. <laughs> shock dust. <laughs> they just they're better. Well, good for them. Good for, good for I mean, they're gonna need to double down on the Raptor. <laughs> they ain't got no cars to go to. You should also know that you can get Recaro seats as an option with <laughs> magnets. Yes, lighting with big giant. <laughs> <laughs> magnets. I don't know. <laughs> All right, what else you got? That's it. That's it? Yeah, the show's <laughs> over. Oh, you killed it. <laughs> all right, okay. Hey, thanks to all of our guests. We have uh, Bobby from Sadistic Ironworks, David Hamilton from fourwheeler.com, and David Page from Fluid Peak Collective. It's the Truck Show Podcast. The Truck Show, the Truck Show, the Truck Show. Let's just, if you're still with us, <laughs> why would you be? I mean, I was going to ask him for like a five-star rating, but there's no way they're going to give it to Not us after, after that. that. <laughs> Can we ask next week? Yeah. We're, or, or the Finnegan episode last week was so good. Let's just hope that they forget this episode. It's and, like a halo effect. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> it lasts a couple episodes. <laughs> you know what? Don't tell your friends about this show. <laughs> yeah, not this week. <laughs>